Good evening, everybody. You are listening to Low Mangic with a Sarcastic Warlock here. I just, you know, kind of had an itch. An itch I wanted to ex- scratch to express myself, right? And what better place to express myself than all over your sweet, sweet face? Uh, so, <laughs> I'm entitled, right? Anyway. Anyway, to kick this off, look, these are just my thoughts. These are the things I've been thinking about for the last week. And, um, you know, mulling over in my mind. And to be honest, it's uh, inescapable that I talk about some things that will come up. Um, It's not going to be intentional. It's just the fact that this has been my experience lately. And... The subject matter of tonight, Brandon Why I apologize, it is Aleister Crowley, but there's a reason that I've been uh, digging into Crowley lately, and uh, I think it's a very good reason. It, it um, carries a lot of consequence in my life uh, as of late, and it's something that I feel like is, is actually, God, the more we can understand of this type of magic, I feel like, you know, I'm not a big, like, let's reach for power kind of person. I'm not a big, like, let's, let's extend our arms out there and, and grasp this, this crazy power to control the universe. But what I am highly interested in is being one who cannot be controlled uh, by, by those who would grasp power. And, um, you know, agree with me or not, there are certain people that do like to grasp power. And it's a thing that we actually have to watch for. And most of these people, they tend to tell you their, uh, the archetypes that they're acting out of well ahead of time. They tend to tell you their moves well ahead of time. They tend to tell you exactly what it is that they're going to do to you. And they pitch it as though it's a bad thing, and then they proceed to do it. It, you know, it really reminds me of uh, what, what Jesus said, the, the Gnostic Christ said in uh, the secret gospel of Thomas, you know, when, when he was asked, what are the most, what's the most important uh, commandment? And he says, uh, never speak lies, uh, and never do what you hate. And I think that those two things are highly important because that right there, I feel, is the, the separation between the dark wizard and the white wizard. That I feel like right off the get-go, you wind up with this, you know, um, <clears throat> variance between the two. Where, you know, Manly P. Hall described black magic as that which seeks a selfish purpose, that which seeks to fulfill itself. And white magic is the prayer to God that, that says openly, uh, let not my will, but thine be done. And it's not a prescriptive, forced upon the nature of the world course that has to transpire, that, that the wizard is demanding the universe to take this path now. No, 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 that's black magic. Uh, but the white magic is found in, in praying to God, to the Almighty, 
to the, the monad, the, the one that is above all, that not my will, but thine be done. And um, I think that that is an is a excellent place to begin this study on, right? Because to, to, when you wind up with people in positions of power, you, when you wind up with these people in positions of power who are going to manipulate, who are going to use the dark forces, which again, we've just now qualified that all of these dark forces are just seeking to usurp their authority and their will onto the universe and force the universe into conformity with what they, they, they dictate as reality. Uh, so that's, that's a great place to begin. You know, whereas the white wizard is the one who prays that the universe has its perfect way, that its perfect path is fulfilled. Not my will, but thine be done. And when we look at Christ himself, in his hardest moment of his life, <laughs> leading up to the most painful moment of his life, that was his prayer. And I think that that needs to be reflected in us and, and brother, when we find ourselves in these positions that it seems very apparent that that is not the prayer being uttered by the other person. I think it's very important that we recognize that this is not white magic. Because it has nothing to do with the will of the universe be done. No, no. If it, if that's not it, if it's if it's a self-serving, domineering goal in this in this end, it's really important that we recognize that it is it is um, of this darker sphere that seeks to control. So, how can we learn to not be controlled by black wizards who would show up out of no fucking where and, and just, God, do anything they can, anything they can, any emotional heartstring that they can grab and pull and manipulate and contort? What do we do with these kind of people? How do we treat them in our own lives? And so, this is where my mind has been at, Okay. Uh, this is why I am on Crowley. This is why I'm studying this particular stuff. And it might not be the most enlightening. It might not be the most uh, fruit-filled or the most um, entertaining. But I do absolutely believe that there is a true value here in finding a, a discernment, right? Right? And let's not forget that quote about black magic, that comes from Manly P. Hall, honorary 33rd degree Mason. So if the, if the you know, master Mason is going to be capable of identifying to you what mind control is and what black magic is based on um, being able to say that it is just rooted in desire of the person. It's a selfish desire. If he's able to call that out, then how much how much can we hate it how much can we devalue it so um 
I picked up a book in 5.5, five, at 5.5, five, five. actually it was 5.7. We went to <laughs> what was pitched online as a Lovecraft Museum and Art um, Gallery, which also had a store, right? So I was all excited. I'm like, man, we're going to check out this place. I, from the time that we found out that we were going to be, that this whole thing was in Providence, I was, I was just... God, I was, I was set. I was so set because H.P. Lovecraft, for those of you who don't know, is one of my favorite um, fiction authors of all time, especially, especially horror. I would have loved to have seen what he could do outside of the horror genre a little bit more than what he did, but I don't begrudge him, man. He did some of the most incredible stuff I have I've ever read this, uh, what he really was able to grab was this fixation on unknown. And how can you fixate in a book on the unknown? It's not like you could just put dot, 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 you know, <laughs> just build anticipation that way. No, you have to be able to use words to describe the unknown in a way that it remains unknown. And this is why I love the guy. So when we found out that we were going to, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, home of H.P. Lovecraft and the place he's buried and, and you know, all that stuff. I was just, it was blissful, man. I, I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. And that was the thing, honestly, out of all the five, five stuff beyond getting to meet people, that was the thing I was most excited about. Just, just, you know, I wanted to meet my friends and go, you know, go on this Lovecraftian well, I'm having a pain in the butt with this audio controller, but you know who the hell cares? We'll just we're just gonna roll with it. We're just gonna roll with it. But let's see. So yeah, Lovecraft, Providence. We were excited, and uh, we went to the store, and I found this little book called The Book of the Law. And I swear to God, I have a copy of this somewhere else uh, in a big. You know, Crowley Anthology, and yes, it is indeed written by Aleister Crowley. And who better to turn to in the age of Horus, in identifying the mind control within the age of Horus, in identifying the theme of the age of Horus? Because, uh, like it or not, ladies and gentlemen, there is an overwhelming theme that cannot be denied in what we are seeing in today's world. Um, it seems to be sort of pervasive, you know, kind of look around, you, you see all the things that Crowley described in this book in 1904. So, uh, and, and with great acceleration since he said it. Um, I, I think that's very important that it not be overlooked is the wild acceleration towards what is described here. So if we want to, uh, if we want to understand What's going on in this in this world in in this time in this world? I think it's a great idea to look to this and see what we can do. And um, yeah, so without further ado, let's kick this off, ladies and gentlemen. This is the uh, the Book of the Law by Aleister Crowley, written in 1904. Uh, we're going to be going straight to the beginning of the book, but, you know, 
On second thought, there are some things I would like to talk about before this. So a long time ago, I had pointed out that there's, um, you know, this old Crowley quote in which he says, a man doing his true will has the assistance of the universe, (laughs) has the inertia of the universe there to assist him. And uh, I think, I think that can't be overstated. It can't be underestimated. I think it's a great idea to stop and think about that. And, you know, when you look at, in a biblical context, this is over and over, you find this in the Old Testament promises. Uh, and it is basically the hand of God behind you, the, the hand of the Almighty, who is, you, you decide to walk straight and the mountains part before you. You decide to build a congregation and people just show up like Noah's Ark. And I think a lot of people, you know, this, this is just my philosophy going into this. This is a preamble, which I think is important for uh, my interpretation of these passages we're going to read, which again, these are occult passages, so they're not limited to one interpretation alone. But uh, in these passages here, uh, with with this interpretation, I believe it gives a very different um, sensibility to the entire thing. So, a man going his true will has the inertia of the universe there to assist him. What does that mean? That means that anything you put your mind to will prosper. Anything you touch will prosper. This is the Abrahamic blessing. That whatever it is that you put your intent and your will towards... Um, you know, it's, it's that scripture, uh, I believe Paul wrote it, that, that, um, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's a, it's a big deal (laughs) to see yourself as being called according to God's purpose, right? One of the reasons for that is because it withdraws you from the ability to be influenced by outside parties. You become a man about your true will, the will of God, and that is who you are. Because of that, everything works together for your benefit, even if it doesn't feel like your benefit at the time even if at the time, it's totally not a benefit to you. Um, I'm pretty sure every time I've stubbed my, f- my, my toe, I, in the moment, it was absolutely not a benefit. <laughs> I know that's to, um, to degrade the whole thing, <laughs> but it's funny as hell. And so, uh, I think really that the way that this works is that when you set yourself to committing the task that you were given as your mission, the the one, you know, um, as a cell in the body, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to harp on this. I wrote about this years ago, um, so I shouldn't feel weird talking about my own damn idea. But, uh, and I'm not going to call it homunculus earth because it never was homunculus earth. I, I was fraternizing uh but the 
entire point is everything within this grand body. And I've gone over this over and over on High Magic. Um, those of you who've listened, uh, you get it. Uh, the thing is, though, that every cell in the body has its perfect architecture and its perfect place. Crowley describes this as stars, that all of you who are individuated, you are stars. And we're going to get to this in a minute here. But uh, these stars, what a star is, is it's, uh, it's a thing that's placed in the sky. It's elevated. It's above. It's above all else that is of this realm, of, of the earth. Uh, even from a flat earther's perspective, if we view this from a, from that perspective for just a moment, it makes even clearer sense. Because um, from that perspective, the heavens themselves is basically like you're standing on the inside of a basketball. And the sphere of the heavens is circling around you. And each one of these stars in the sky, other than the wandering stars... Uh, the, the wandering heavenly bodies, what, what science would call the planets, uh, all other than this, are stationary. They're always stationary. And from our personal experience, they've always been stationary, and they always will be stationary. And in our lifetime, we haven't witnessed with our own eyes the conflict of stars, or the movement of stars excluding the nine heavenly bodies, of course. But that is, um, they, they are exactly where they are, and they are where they have always been. As far back as we can tell in time, they've been in these exact same places. And, you know, they follow the same patterns of where they are every night on uh, particular times of the year. Um, you know... This time next year will be pretty much identical to how it looks tonight. So, <clears throat> with us being these stars, we are these beings that are placed in the heavens, that have our specific location, our specific path and trajectory, that is unmoved regardless of what comes up against it. Uh, regardless of other stars around it, regardless of other stars, uh, the wandering stars passing over them or or next to them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're, they're immovable, unshaken. And what Crowley, you know, bases this whole thing off of is there are people that are stars. They are enlightened. Um... I wouldn't go as far to say that he thinks that everyone is a star. Uh, I think that that a man who is doing his true will is a star. Uh, I think he would he would uphold that. But judging by some of the things that he writes that we're going to cover tonight, I don't think he, <laughs> I don't think he thinks everybody is a star. Because <laughs> there are obviously when you look around on the planet, how many people on the planet are under the stars, are beneath the stars, lower than the stars. 
and, and even guided by the stars. How many people on the planet look to the stars to tell them their future, uh, of who they should love, or should they commit, or should they do, or should they not do? And people are constantly looking for these guidance from the stars. I mean, we even, we even have reliably used the stars to tell direction when navigating. And so it's, it's um, you know, th there are stars and there are those who are under them. And those stars serve a specific purpose. Now, if those stars were to get really fucking weird, and uh, I mean that in a 1920s sense, that weird, like off, wrong. Uh, imagine being a sailor and looking up at the night sky after a storm and seeing a set of stars in the sky that you've never seen before. A whole different configuration that doesn't make any sense. That is weird. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I think it is important to recognize when he places emphasis on us being stars, that there is this responsibility within that. So, let's get into it. So, uh, as we read this, I'm going to be jumping back and forth, giving uh, explanation. This this whole book is written in uh, almost like a almost like the Bible with with stanzas, right? There are verses, and uh, we're going to read the, each verse. <laughs> we're probably going to cover one page here. We're going to e read each verse, and then we're going to look up what each one of the words mean that are unfamiliar. Okay, so kicking it off. Had the manifestation of Newit. Ah, here we go. Right off the bat, we've got weird-ass words, right? So, let's go to the explanation of Newit. Because this is uh, Crowley. Crowley created his own... He basically took the OTO, which is uh, the Golden Dawn Order, which is, you know... Disputably older than uh, than the the Masons, but it's it's rooted back into the same Egyptian uh, Kabbalistic uh, sort of ritual magic, like where it's very much focused on the litigiousness of the ritual and and perfecting it. So let's look at the explanation of what Newit is. So, uh, I'm going to read from this other section that's going to explain this. The elements are, uh, this book explains the universe. The elements are Nuit, which is space. That is the total possibilities of every kind. So, Nuit is all the possibilities that exist. Every kind of possibility. Think of it sort of like... Uh, you know, and she is represented in a very specific form. She is a goddess that arches over the world in a very seductive manner. Um, ready. It's, <laughs> it's a, it, it, this isn't a gross exaggeration. Um, and it's not even, I mean, in Crowley's magic, this isn't even profane. Uh, but to use a, a phrase from Scarface, knew it is like one big pussy ready to be fucked. Um, that, is, that is basically 
And, and you'll see as we go through this that I'm not even exaggerating. Um, let's see. So uh, we'll probably get to that maybe next week if, if we keep this series up, if this, is, if this is fun for everybody. But anyway, new it is the total possibilities, every possibility that could happen. The, the possibility that you like just reach up and poke your eye right now and like just blind yourself, man. Uh, there's that, there's the, the possibility that you like, you know, get up and go grab another beer. All of these possibilities is new it. And, um, that, that's just simply the profane, but think about the outrageous, the, the actually important possibilities. That's the deeper new it, uh, had spoken of in the beginning there, I believe to be a, um, a shortening of the word hadith, and hadith is any point which has experience uh, of the possibilities. So there's this this bit called the right here and right now. It's that pause I just left intentionally. It's the way that I'm recording a message and still waving my finger in the air looking at the phone. It's, um, it's the choices that you make every moment in the reality. Whether you decide to rub your nose right now or to say, I'm not going to. That is Hadith. So what we have is it and Hadith. Knew it being all the possibilities and hadith being the possibility that is that is enacted right now, the the here and now. Um, knew it is is um, all things. Hadith is the limited, the limiting of all things down to the one thing. So, what I like to think of in this is uh, again the symbolism of the cross. Right? You've got the, the vertical line and the horizontal line. And the cross is in the intersection of the two. And you can see this uh, demonstrated in like sun crosses are some of my favorites. Where it's a, it's a cross with a circle drawn around it. And there's this point dead smack in the center. And this is what I believe the cross to be the whole time. is It's an intersection point between two planes. I've believed this since I was 16 years old. I used to teach this in church. Is that the cross symbolizes the intersection of two planes. It is the spiritual meeting the material. It's time meeting space. It's you meeting the moment. Um... That is how I view the cross, and that is, again, how I view the, the relationship between Nuit and Hadith. Uh, now, for the measure of time here, I'm going to skip over some stuff with that. If anybody wants, again, the book is uh, called The Book of the Law. You can get a PDF online for free and um, read a few paragraphs, because that's really all we're going over. Uh, it's just a few paragraphs. I, th I think I posted half of this already. Um, but so now, here we go. Had the manifestation of Newit. So we have that settled. The unveiling of the company of heaven. I think, I think you get it. 
Every man and every woman is a star. Now again, every man and every woman is a star. But you have to remember we're talking about Crowley here. What what he he signed his own name as the beast. He saw himself as the beast. You, you, like literally the beast in Revelation, man, that was like how he he picked his fucking moniker. You know, that was the the autograph he left on books. It was just the beast. So uh, when we get into like series like Dune, for instance, there is this clear definition between man and beast and what that is. And so I would lean toward the implication that he is not in fact saying that every single person is a star, but every single man and every woman is a star. These are, these are beings who have overrided the bestial nature and become something beyond simply a, uh, an animal. They've, they've leaned into, I know we had a little dispute earlier uh, a couple days ago about, you know, are humans animals or not? And, you know, to, to weigh my little, little two pence in, yeah, man, humans are animals. Humans are absolutely fucking animals. But there is a ability within the human, and this is, this is the gift of the fire of the gods to rise up and be more than human extra human. This is the divine spark that is placed in humans. Um, so yeah, I think some people cling to that and some people don't. It's for them to pick and choose if they want to or not. Uh, but let's say this, uh, whoever isn't deciding that they are going to to lean into the spark, that they're going to be um, making their own choices, uh, that they're going to be interacting with Nuit and Hadith, and and they're going to be the ones directing uh, or or choosing that center point, that meeting point of these two places. Uh, I, I, you know, they are lesser. <laughs> Like in the tr- in truther terms, we we call them unawakened, right? A lot of people will lean in real hard to calling them golems. Which, um, that's going to come up in a minute here. But anyway, every number is infinite and there is no difference. Help me, O warrior, or, oh, sorry. Help me, O warrior, lord of Thebes. In my unveiling before the children of men. Alright, now we're getting interesting here. We're getting into before my unveiling before the children of men. Hold that thought in your mind. Who are the children of men? Because every man and woman is a star. So who are the children of men? Again, we have another differentiation. It was leading towards what I was talking about. Going back. Be thou, Hadith, my secret center, my heart, and my tongue. So Hadith, again, is the interaction with, uh, the, it's, it's the, the stopping point. It's, think of uh, Nuit as a, um, a Ouija board, and Hadith as the focal point. I fucking hate Ouija boards, by the way, but, here we go. 
think of uh, Newit as the focal point on the Ouija board that dictates this is the letter that we're talking about right now. Uh, let's see. Behold, it is revealed by Iwas, the minister of Huparkart. Uh, Iwas, when Crowley talks about Iwas, he's talking about basically God, but it's the lower God, which is his higher self. Take it or leave it. It's what it is. But that's who Iwas is. Is He's... he's um, basically saying that it's Iowas who's who's uh, dictating this right now. Now here we come to something really interesting. And this is really the crux, where, where it really kicks off here. The cobs and the coup, not the coup and the cobs. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's spelled K-H-A-B-S, cobs. The Cobbs is in the coup, K-H-U, not the coup in the Cobbs. Well, do a little study, a little, little mild research, and you'll find out that Cobbs is the eternal light. It's the eternal, undying, brilliant light. Here, I'll read you, I'll read you guys a little something-something. Let's it is the secret light. And Ku is the magical entity of a man. So we're saying the secret light in the magical entity of the man, not the magical entity of man in the secret light. Now that's a huge differentiation. I could go off on that for probably a half hour alone and the implications of what it is to have that backwards. And I probably should go off on that for a half hour alone. What it is to have these love and lighters, these light seekers who can't stop fixating on the light. Like there is a difference between being an insect that is drawn to a bright light and being a star who is the embodiment of the bright light. This is the crux of what we are talking about. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys are into uh, Gnosticism, but there's this idea of the Archons. And, um, you know, Paul talked about the Archons in the Bible when he called them the princes of the power of the air. Um, so... I believe that these archons, they're geographical forces of culture that take control of a person's mind and drive it when that person refuses to take control of themselves. It's a, it's a cultural, racial, uh, regional default that someone just falls into. It's a, it's just a, just a default occurrence that this person does. Like we all have friends like, why did you get vaccinated, dude? Oh yeah. Cause you're a giant idiot. Cause you, cause you like, don't think about anything. You just do shit or like, dude, I mean the vaccination one is the easiest, but think about like just normal relationships we have. How many people, 
How many people are we like, oh my god, your choices, bro? I have no idea why you would make any of the choices that you make. But I think that this is the thing, is that destiny takes the wheel and drives itself. Okay. Uh, so, so, remember, the secret light is in the magical essence of a man, and not the magical essence of the man in the secret light. So worship then Cobbs and behold, worship the secret light and behold my light shed over you. Now, here's where I believe. This is the ninth verse. I believe he switches here for a moment to talk to the children of men who are beneath the stars, who are the bugs who are gathered to the flame. Okay. Now this is, again, just to remind you, we're talking about mind control again. We're talking about how one can be how does one become a star versus being a bug that is drawn to the light of another? How can we do this? Yeah, I think I think he lays it out here. Have the secret light within you rather than chasing after the secret light. Uh anyway. Uh, let my light shed over you, he says. Let my servants be few in secret. They shall rule the many in the known. These are fools that men adore. Both their gods and their men are fools. Come forth, O children, under the stars, and take your fill of love. Hmm. Now, who are the stars? Who are the children of men? Hmm, uh, so, <laughs> again, he's beckoning those who are not under their own control, who are viewing the stars as the guiding lights. Because there will be guiding lights. The exceptional will become guiding lights. They will become stars. They are stars. It's impossible to separate them from being that light because it is housed within them. Can a, can a city on a hill be hidden? No. <laughs> Do you light a lamp and hide it under a bushel? No. So, uh, let's see. Come forth, O children, under the stars. And remember, we're reading an occult text. Therefore, under always means something. It's a subservience. Uh, every word here is symbolic, and you have to be aware of that as you're reading this kind of material. Okay? It's poetry, and you have to be able to read these things, not simply match the word with the definition, but the word with the symbolism of the word within the usage of the stanza. So it, that's super important. You can't, like, I'm telling you, man, you can't be autistic about this stuff. You got to kind of be able to look at these, these occult texts cross-eyed, and you have to look at it a little bit cross-eyed, and be able to absorb that information by compiling it with all this other occult information that you've you've gleaned over time. Uh, let's see. I am above you and in you. So, he's now called himself the light. And for those of us who do see ourselves as being 
individuated stars in the sky that are outside of this. Yes, we are that. And you will wind up with people. They just show up. They just show up to um, get behind whatever it is that you're doing. Because as a star, you're like my dad, my preacher dad used to tell me, he said, son, <laughs> he didn't actually talk like that. I just made that up. But he would say, son, a bright light attracts a lot of bugs. And that's the way it goes. And these bugs, you know, he would tell me that sometimes God milks the goats to feed the sheep. And uh, that's how these these bugs go. They show up for absolution. They show up looking for to, to pay penance. And they literally pay indulgences uh, without any agreement from my pastor, uh, Dad, who would my dad's like yeah man god forgive you it's fine let's just move on and they're like no man i want you i got like five thousand dollars can i write you a check and he's like yeah man you could you could write me a check but god forgave you it's like you're good you don't have to there's nothing to it you know and no man i'm gonna do it anyway and see that's it's the same thing my dad was about his true will these these um bugs and i'm not dehumanizing this is just simply a cosmic reality. Uh, I'm sitting outside on my porch right now watching loads of bugs around every light I've got out here. It just is what it is, man. And uh, <laughs> blessings upon it. But my dad would say that, you know, bright light attracts a lot of bugs. And it's the way that it goes. And you can't take it personally. You're, he used to give me advice. He's, he'd say, you know, when you're a leader one day, you're going to wind up with every kind of person. You're going to wind up with every kind of person coming to you. And some of them are going to be people that you can only take so far. And some of them are going to be people that you can really just run with forever. And, uh, and that's what a star is, right? Look at a constellation. It's a bunch of stars running together forever in the same direction. Anyway, um, he says, I'm above you and in you. So again, he's now made himself the secret light because, because, and it's not that he's made himself this, it's that to these people, to the children of men, he is the secret light. He is that thing that they're seeking. He's the guru, the, the culmination. The, the bright fire, and holy shit, I can go off on this one for like a half hour, and probably should too, but um, uh, my ecstasy is in yours, compassionate that for a minute, say that you, you are a god, the ecstasy that you would feel would be the ecstasy your worshipers would feel. Your existence is their existence. Uh, my joy is to see your joy. Above gleam the azure is the naked splendor of Nuit. She bends in ecstasy to kiss the secret adders of Hadith, the winged globe, the starry blue, and mine 
Oh, some Egyptian name I can't pronounce, and I'm not even going to try because I didn't even intend to read this far. But this was what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to really focus on the fact that when you do your true will, when you are about your father's business, which is your higher self, I, I really believe that when Jesus talked about his father, he was talking about his higher self. The father and I are one. My father who art in heaven. Okay? It is the higher self. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of this. Uh, does that degrade the, quote, the father? No, no, not at all. Um, it's kind of, um, I would say it, it, it engrandizes the one who calls himself the son. <laughs> it is to be the star. But, uh, when I, when I think about, when I think about this God, when I think about events recently and people still wrapped up in it and still involved, I, I, I wonder why a lot. I'm like, why? Because for me, for me, it came at such a grand, uh, well, this has broken my principles, and goodbye. Right? And it just was what it was, right off the get-go. I felt like I never really had an option to do anything other than what I did while still holding to my principles, while still holding to my beliefs and and validating them as true and seeing myself as strong seeing myself as a star which if you guys listen to high magic i've been saying this from day fucking one dude so when i look at all of this stuff and i I start contemplating how how this can happen how can how can someone so mind controlling maintain a following i mean it seems like an obvious question right like like an obvious answer like well through mind control but yeah that only ever lasts for so long it's it breaks eventually it never lasts forever. Um, from personal experience, on both sides of that thing, it never lasts forever. It can't last forever. It's unsustainable. However, I do think that there's this this element that almost requires this. It's it's uh, it's sort of like gravity itself, um, like with, you know, our current, albeit maybe flawed, understanding of gravity, where mass itself will attract mass. And uh, when you think of it that way, when you think of somebody who can create themselves to be such a substantial mass, whether it's 
um, beneficent or maleficent, you know, for, for better or worse. Somebody can create themselves to have such a substantial mass through the weight of the mission that they choose to take on. And which is, which is their true place, their true purpose, their, their, their portion in the heavens that's granted to them to hold. These, these people who do that, anyone who's able to do that and have such a weight are going to naturally attract things that are lighter than them. It's going to happen. And it must happen. Um, you even see this exhibited in, uh, in G- with Jesus. Twice he ditched the 5,000. Simply by being around, simply by going around and preaching and healing people and feeding everybody and go, I mean, go figure, a whole bunch of people show up to follow him because they like being fed, they like being healed, and, and they like really nice words being said around them, right? So, of course, they show up, and that's what I'm talking about. But somewhere, there was another man out there doing something that didn't have time for this. He was going about his father's business. And, uh, I mean, like, we could look at the Roman centurion as an example of this. Uh, he was going about Caesar's business. He even sent, so he sent a, a messenger to Jesus rather than going himself. Um, I might have I got that story told backwards. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out of ministry school for sure after this one. But anyway, I'll wrap it up. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. I think that the more intentful that we are, since we're going to make up words, I'm just going to go intentful. I, I, I'm digging it. Uh, the, more, the more filled with intent that we are, the more about our Father's business, about our mission, the more we take the place of what it is that we're actually meant to be and, and fulfill the function of what we're, what we're created to do, of, of all of our ancestry leading to this me right here. If I can step into those shoes suddenly you find that the inertia of the universe is there in equal measure to assist you. And that includes throwing people at you, like real living people who simply are not in control of the steering wheel. Um, And it's not a judgment call, man. It's not a judgment call. I've got a Got a little two-year-old girl. I've never, I've never looked at her with scorn because she was young. And I think, I think in a whole lot of ways, her, her youth, <laughs> wild amount of youth, you know, is, um, it endears her to me. I have, uh, I've got older kids, you know, I've got, I've got, 10 year olds and 
I'll never have that moment back where they were that little two-year-old. This is a beautiful, fleeting time. And I think that that is the ultimate compassionating that you can do for, for anybody who you find pursuing a path that you look at and say is worthless. They're, you know, to some extent, I know for a fact that even I am for higher figures, uh, higher stars than the ones currently in question, but, but I know that I'm, I'm pulled into the vortex of some other forces. And we'll get into this another time about the symbolism of the vortex, the abyss, uh, the crossing, the swimming across the vortex. We'll get into this another time, but um, I think it's a, it's an excellent exercise, not only in compassionating people who uh, follow paths that we don't appreciate, but so far beyond that, to, to compassionate the person who will follow you. <laughs> it's a funny thing to think about, isn't it? That maybe one day you will have people following you. The, the knee-jerk I always had was like, what kind of fool would do that? <laughs> but it's happened before. I've had people like ask to be my student. I'm like, student to what end? <laughs> but that's, that's how it goes. The more about your father's will that you are, the more the entire universe will line up behind you. And the more you the more you interact with Hadith and choose Hadith, you choose that moment, you choose those words, you choose this path, you choose this this uh, analogy, man. The more everything that you do becomes a choice, where Hadith becomes worshipped in your life because that choice that that pinpointing because remember knew it is all possibilities and hadith is that point where it is it is the more that you worship hadith where you make that uh king to live in the moment right the more that you can do that, the more inertia you will have in your life, regardless of whatever it is that you apply your hand to. I mean, remember, that's the Abrahamic blessing, right? That anything you, you bless, I'll bless, and anything you curse, I'll curse. And so, this concludes a low mangic. Get it? Get it? You see what I did there? It's low main. It's like a take on low magic, but low mangic. You get it? Because <laughs> it's like filled with noodles and shit. 
Anyway, I love you guys. Um, I hope this was fun. I had fun. Uh, let me know if, if you guys would like something like this. I, I seriously, I spent like, you know, five minutes ahead of time uh, prepping. And, you know, if this is a thing we actually like and want to continue doing, I could maybe spend a little bit more time ahead of time prepping. <laughs> but really, this is, these are just, these are just my thoughts for the week. Uh, nothing, I hope it wasn't disappointing. But anyway, I love you guys. And I'll talk to you later and have a great night and happy Friday. Uh, yeah, hail victory at the end.